0: Welcome into the October 21st episode of Lockdown Leafs podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morisuti. It's Nick Robertson's world, and we're all living in it, Dave. A big night for the kids, scored twice, including the game winner against his brother with the Toronto Maple Leafs, beating the Dallas Stars 3-2 in OT. We'll break down the win and also help tee up tonight's tomorrow's Jets game because there are some lineup changes to tell you about. So we'll get to that and more on today's edition of Lockdown Leafs. Welcome to the Locked On Lease podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother on TSN's Overdrive and TSN 1050's Leafs Lunch. Joining me it's my co-host Dave Morisuti from Sportsnet, also writer for the NHLPA. Locked On Leafs, the daily Maple Leaf centric podcast. So be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcast from. You can also now catch us up on video format. We're up on YouTube, guys. Go search up Locked On Lease on YouTube, hit subscribe, and get. New Leaves content each and every day, delivered right to your eyes, ears, mouth, and nose, however you want to consume your Leaves content. We got it for you every single morning, Monday to Friday, uh, five shows a week. Um, Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. And uh, speaking of Bet Online, I bet big that the Maple Leafs would pull it out last night. I put a little money line wager on Toronto and it came through. It came through. Maple Leafs with a 3-2 win. Took to overtime to get it done, but they got it done, Dave.
1: Yeah, there was some I'm sure there were some tense moments there in the final uh in the, <laughs> especially in the final moments there, but yeah, they 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 pulled it out it and it was not an easy win for them. Let's no. just say but not a perfect year.
0: tour either. Like it wasn't wasn't necessarily a perfect game no, 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 not at all. Um I, you know, I thought that they played well enough. I thought that the, the, they started off pretty good like the first 10, 12 minutes of the game. I thought that they certainly came through with a little bit more heart than typical and um I think the message was received uh over the last couple of days. But, you know, what good elite teams do, which I believe the Dallas Stars are is they can weather those storms and they weathered it and then kind of counterpunched and settled the game down from there. Um but luckily luckily Sheldon Keith, the brilliant mind that he is, thought that Nick Robertson needed to go into the lineup. And boy, was that ever a keen decision for that guy.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean <laughs> I, I was kind of or uh <laughs> the Discord chat, let's just say it was very much a Nick Robertson fan fan chat after that. Yeah. This that. is
0: locked on Nick Robertson. Yeah. Brought so, to by the podcast the, network.
1: Yeah. yeah. So this is the Nick Robertson Appreciation uh podcast. Uh pretty much we're gonna be all Nick Robertson all day, five days a week, <laughs> wherever you get your podcast from. Yeah. Like it just you could not have picked we I I even we said like he needed to come out and have a presence. Didn't expect two goals. But what impressed me the most about Nick Robertson's game was the things he did away from the puck. Yeah, that was that was the most that was the noticeable difference in his game that I felt like was lacking in the past. You know, what's he doing when he's not? Because a goal scorer like him, he's got to show that he's going to be able to do other things when he doesn't have the puck on his stick, and he showed that, especially in overtime when it was at two o one. I'm just like, oh no, like all right
0: that had been daunting on him like a two-on-one coming down you've got a former art Wash winner and jamie ben with the puck and instead of crumbling under pressure i mean the guy actually went at him and 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 missed on the first poke check but then stuck with the play and eventually rips the puck off of jamie ben and up they go on the two-on-one smart little give and go play with him and austin matthews and that's the ball game right that's the hockey game and like, just that entire play, and even go back to the first goal. Um, like, another another play, funny enough, on Jamie Ben, like, slips a hit off of Ben or absorbs that hit and then sticks with the play, ends up going right down to, uh, d- down to the net and stick on the ice, waiting for that pass from Bunting, and then he fires it into the back of the net. I thought it was a great play because, I mean, when you look at Nick Robertson, the biggest – well, funny enough, the biggest thing about him is his size, and it's because he's not that big. He's a small player out there on the ice, and for him to absorb contact like that and to be able to stay in the play, and then about five seconds later put it in the back of the net instead of getting hit along the boards and then crumpling and falling on the ice or getting pinned by Jamie Ben. I mean, if that happens, that that's not a goal, right? That's that's the play's broken. Nothing happens of that play. So that also was just a really great thing. So both of those goals, like just hard work, smart plays um, for, to, uh, to get those. And clearly, I mean, the team needed both of those goals. Right. But yeah, I thought that he was a dog on a bone, just the entire game, playing with some tenacity uh, right from the second he got his first shift. He was hard on pucks, hard on loose pucks, battling in corners. Um I thought that he was fantastic and I guess we can get right into our three stars of the game because Nick Roberts is the first star like could be first second third but you know like he's my first star and for the reasons why I I just said like two goals on the night had four shots three hits and he only played like just a little over 14 minutes but he was so impactful and effective in those 14 minutes that he stood out more than anybody else out there on the ice to me
1: yeah, I also felt like, you know, when Sheldon Keefe said he wasn't sure, like he wasn't sure about putting him out in overtime. I feel like first off, like
0: that really? was good. That was a ludicrous like, comment. That was like, such
1: like, really? <laughs> he like he made Sheldon Keefe kind of eat his words a little bit there. Well, like,
0: just... I'm not going to pick on Sheldon Keefe. No. We've done enough of that this week. But like the fact that he, he legitimately came out and said, I had to talk to myself out of not putting him out sooner. Why? He's your best player tonight. Yeah, He should have started out with like, should have started there. You had a four on, have three. on the power play. Yeah, it was a four on three power play. Why not have him there?
1: Yeah, and like, then the what impressed me about his first goal was I don't know if you noticed wh- which player hit him along the boards. It was Jamie I was just talking about. Yeah, it. like, but like when he made that hit, what was his reaction? Not to complain or you know let it take it out of the play. No, no, no. I'm going to go right to the net. And Michael Bunting, a little redemption for you, I guess, to see that pass in front of the net. But that's what I like. It was not just that it was Jamie Ben game. Like I had an issue with Jamie Ben all game because of the hit on Kaczech on Matthews. Yeah. But to see to see um, Robertson make Ben look ridiculous by not defending him, going to the net, like the lack of respect for not Nick like, Robertson.
0: But twice did he make Jamie Ben look like a yeah. little a little, uh, a little bad there. see, so I love to see it. Um, yeah. We'll stick with the three stars. Uh, your second star of the night was who Dave?
1: Second star. You know what? I, it was a tough one to really find when the Robertson had such a good game. Like who are you going after? i going to give Alexander Kerfoot second star.
0: Okay. All right.
1: Because I appreciate that. Scored a goal last night. Scored the scored The power play goal were good. Like I was just ready to just absolutely trash the power play. Second yep. unit comes on, Sandine, point shot, re- Gee. I think it's still worth trashing, by the yes, way. Yes, <laughs> still worth trashing, but oh my goodness. Like it was a, it was refreshing when that second unit came out and they did that because it just shows that it's not maybe it's not the the power play completely. Like some some morning, oh the coaching, like what's what are the coaches doing here? Like, no, maybe it's just you gotta simplify things a little bit or you know, get shots on net and hope for rebounds and being positioned, to, positioned to get a rebound like Kerfoot was there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I like uh, I like giving a little shout out to Kerfoot. But how about Yulia Samsonov? I thought that he was great last night. You know, he was tested, uh, faced twenty, we faced twenty eight shots last night, yep. stopped twenty six of them, had a couple of really nice saves as well in the first period, but it was scoreless. Uh, that that glove save on Gurionov was really nice. Flashed the leather a little bit. Gave a little extra vinegar on it. You know, there's a couple of times he had to make another big reactionary save as well. So I think Samsonov, like, he just looks calm. He looks comfortable in net. Doesn't look flustered. He's not swimming like we've seen in the past from some of these Leafs goaltenders. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I, I like what we're seeing out of Samsonov so far. And, I mean, he's a guy who the Leafs are going to have to rely on for the next little bit, right, with Matt Murray on LTIR. But so far, so good. He's been terrific. He's been more than I think any of us would have imagined. Three and zero on the year, a one ninety six goals against, and I think like a nine twenty-seven save percentage, I want to say. That's pretty darn good for uh for the, the former first round goaltender.
1: Um, yeah, and I don't know if we plan to talk about the uh the review and the goaltender interference call. Mm-hmm. Because I think he got robbed big time on that on that second goal by the Stars. But okay, well, why
0: don't we, Kate? Okay, let's. Um, you want to take a break and talk?
1: Let's talk yeah. about. We'll talk about in the second in the next segment. Because yeah, okay. Because okay. I mean, Sam, Sam, you know, Samsonov was great because he kept the minute. Like the Leafs were not great in the first two periods. The third period was their best period out of all the periods last night. Second period, yeah, there were a lot of special teams, and that took away from a lot of the five-on-five players. ten
0: minutes of the first period, I actually thought that they came out and played well. I mean, I think yeah. the Stars had like one shot on goal in the first like 10, 12 minutes of that game. So the first right. ten minutes were fine, and then, you know, Dallas, they weathered the storm and then kind of got it back going. But regardless, I think you're right where there was – it was a bit of a patchy game. For Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean at the end of the day, they they picked up the two points. They they got the win. I thought they got the goaltending necessary to get them there. You know, they're the the new insert Nick Robertson, he scored two big goals. And then they got technically, technically, got one on the power play with Alex Kerfoot. So, you know, it it takes a village, and especially when your big big boys aren't going, and last night, another night where they're held off the score sheet, right? So um, you know, I I, I guess. It, all is to say that when you really break it down, you look at the first week and a half of the season, the teams three and two through five games before heading out on the road. And that's with their big boys not playing well. Probably actually a half decent sign.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you're going to have those moments. And like with the Dallas Stars came into this game, allowing three, three goals in three games.
0: Yeah. Well, they're, they, I mean, Scott yeah. Wedgwood's a uh, bit of a drop off there from,
1: he, he's Jake not on, yeah, he's uh, not Jake Oranger level, but he's not the worst backup in the league either.
0: No, but what what, what I saw last night was something yeah. I'd like to see a little bit more out of Toronto. Now there's a big size discrepancy on the blue line in Dallas and yeah. Toronto, but like they did a terrific job of clearing out the net and not allowing you know many Maple Leafs to get extra extra you know rebound attempts and, and shots at the goal because they clear out the garbage, they do a really good job, they make it tough in front of the net, they battle in front of the net guys like Hockenpah and and guys like Ryan Suter. And, you know, they do make it really tough defensively. And I I want Toronto to take on some of that. They don't really have those guys. Jake Muzzin is kind of that guy. And he's out for a very long period of time. Um, Hmm. That said, I actually am curious to get your thoughts quickly before we kind of move on here on how you thought Rasmus Sandin fared in last night's game and his kind of first foray into that top four role.
1: I figured you were going to put Ilya Samsonov in your three stars, which is why I have Raz and Sandy as my third star. See how I led you there? You see how I led you there, pal? You just, you, 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 we're, we're on this sink right now. We're just, yeah. Like it was, yeah, the assist on the power play goal, like he was the reason why that power play goal happened. But also, there was a point in the game where, like, uh, I think it was like Ryan Johnson was coming in on him and big dude didn't really have the great, like situation to he's not going to be able to outman him physically. So what does he do? Good stick, knock the buck off of him. He was calm. I didn't, like Razzisani didn't look like he was out of like his element at all. And that's that, what I, that's we need to see.
0: I, I, I do appreciate that in Sandine where he doesn't necessarily change his game, no matter what his role is, yeah. which I like to see. Like last night he, he was, he was gambling a little bit sometimes. Cause that's what he's all about. Like, there was the one play. Um, I want to say it was Sagan. He let him come all alone because he made the decision that he was going to go after the puck carrier who was coming in over the blue line. And by doing that, left his man open, Sagan, who caught the pass just coming over the blue line and ended up on a, on a breakaway. Luckily, he didn't score, did end up scoring later in the game. We'll get to that in a moment. Um, but, like, you know, he, he takes those gambles, which you're going to see from time to time. But as long as he can, you know, be, not be fishing pucks out of the net and, if he can just be smart, he's not going to physically out. Like, he's not going to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, like, he's not strong enough to out, uh, like, box you out and stuff. Yeah. But he's got a good stick. He's got a good IQ. And that's kind of how he's going to have to uh, to to beat a lot of these guys. Um, all right. Why don't we take a break and we get back? We can get into the uh, goal reversal. That uh, went on last night. And because I think we sit on opposite ends of this, to be quite honest with you. So, why don't you pull up the goal? We can kind of go through it. And then we'll also help tee up the Jets game uh, tomorrow night because there are some lineup changes that we got to tell you about. And I've got one more in particular that I don't think we'll see tomorrow that I think we should see at some point on this upcoming road trip. So, we'll get to that and more. First, let me tell you about uh, Bet Online, it's your number one source for betting hockey. Key to start this new season find all your latest player developments team matchups and news and podcasts and in-depth analysis on every game and as always bet online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there it's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events including mlb nfl nba mma boxing even golf you can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more bet online it's where the game starts Welcome back into the Locked On These podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano. I've got my co-host Dave Morasuti sitting over there in his room, where uh, he's got the keyboard to his left. He still got the bass. Uh, you got the bass on the other side of you. No,
1: it's uh, I moved it out of. Uh, yeah. Slap the bass
0: at some point, Dave. We got to get you to slap it a bass on the show at some point. At
1: some, you some point, you give us.
0: Um, you gave us something on the keyboard, like yeah, a couple weeks ago. Now we need a little little bass slappage. Maybe I gotta lower. work. Bass boom, is kind of lower boom, on my.
1: Boom, boom, well, boom, boom, that's gonna, boom. That's gonna get us flagged by YouTube copyright boom, like an instant though. So no
0: way, not all right. Well, no way, not a chance. Not if you're doing it yourself. <laughs> if we get, if we get, how many likes do we need on this video for you to do it? Hundred.
1: I mean, I don't know what's. I don't even know what's the most we I mean, most likes we've had on the video. I know, I know some of the uh people in our Discord have noticed the instruments have asked about it base is like is the lower in terms of my skill level but i i, I can't pull off seven nations army i i have played that before
0: okay so if we can get let's go with 150 if we get 150 likes on this video so everyone watching on youtube and everyone listening on podcast form head to the youtube video smash the like button because we get like at you know 1.5 to 2 like to two and a half thousand views all we need is 150 you viewers to smash the like button. And then all of a sudden, old Davey here is going to come up with some seven nations army on Monday. I We got to make it happen. You got to make it happen. The listeners here at Lockdown Leafs, because we got new content every single day, Monday through Friday, uh, each and every morning. Um, so one of the more controversial plays from last night, I guess, was the goal that was originally waved off. Tyler Sagan scored. Um, And it was waved off immediately by the linesman, the official, and then it got challenged. Now, it was waved off for goaltender interference. And I think we're on opposite ends here. Do we have the play that we could show uh, just to kind of see for those who missed it exactly what we're talking about here?
1: Yeah, we'll Uh, throw it up uh, so we can all give a look on it like the issue i had with the play maybe i'll talk about the issue i had with the play as the video here is playing it's that you know who's initiating contact in this play that's where i think we need it needs that's in my opinion that's what the rest were probably trying to ascertain who's initiating contact if it's Mitch Marner then there's no penalty because the defending if the defending player is interfering with the goalie it's not goaltender interference but if it's the attacking player who is initiating contact, then it is deemed goaltender interference. And I felt like Sagan, because he did push Marner a bit from behind into Samsonov, that's where I thought, okay, you know, that's where I thought the penalty would have been right. And there was, I felt like there was also a lot of half and half uh of people who thought that this should have been a uh, penalty so here let's uh throw it up here so
0: so so here's the play here right so you've got mitch marner coming in and then maybe there was a push off by by tyler Sagan. you can kind of see that in towards the end a little bit here say again shoots it goes off a couple of bodies and ends up in the back of the net but you could see roughly around here, like right here, is that shove enough to consider that like interference on uh on Tyler Sagan? That's where I'm I'm not sold there was enough. I think Marner just made a hard play going towards the net and ended up bumping his goalie anyway. I don't think he was directed by Tyler Sagan uh, enough for them to consider that a a, a goaltender interference. I think he interfered with his own player a little bit too much. That being said, the fact that there are question marks on it, I was a little surprised that that there was enough to overturn the call and call it a goal on the ice. So although, like, when I look at it, yes, I would consider that a goal, but the fact that it was overturned, I'm not 100% confident there was enough to overturn it because there was a tiny shove, a little bit, but do we know if that is what caused Marner to go into him or was he going in there anyways? I guess it's up to the interpretation of whomever. Clearly, the officials and 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 you know Toronto, they came down. They're like, no, nope, Marner made the contact himself. We'll consider that a good goal and overturn it. I was slightly surprised about that. But at the end of the day, probably should have been a goal anyway.
1: Like that's the part that I was also struggling with is that the ref was so adamant that it was a no goal. He called it off. Yeah. Almost immediately. Now, does, Sam, does Samsonov kind of sell the play a little bit there? Guess what? Goaltenders have had, felt like they've had to do that now. Because I think also,
0: I've outside. seen a couple of views from this. And based on the view of like where the linesman was, it looks as though maybe Sagan made more contact to uh, to to Samsonov than initially he thought. And then once seeing the review, you see, oh, actually it was Marner who made the most of the contact and wasn't really directed into the goalie. Then I think it made him realize like, oh, OK, that's not quite what I saw from my angle. Looks like it it went down a little different. And that's why he felt comfortable to overturn the goal.
1: Yeah, like I, I can get because Marner's there. And if that's the explanation, I don't know if we got an explanation on that one
0: usually it, they said that six team went into his own goaltender so they, yeah. they that's that was their explanation was because usually it wasn't S- he made the contact it was actually his own player that made the contact and clearly they had felt that he made the contact on his own not uh not with the help of of saying it
1: that i okay like i can see how they reversed it i just felt like it wasn't overwhelmingly enough to overturn it. Yeah. Like if that was called
0: a good goal call and then it got challenged for goaltender interference, I don't think that that would have, I don't think there was enough evidence to overturn any, either goal call. Like realistically, they would have said, yeah, maybe, but it doesn't look like we're going to keep it as a goal. But then I thought also, "Mm, since it was a no goal on the ice, maybe we got to keep with it since it's not a hundred percent, but Either way, uh, it was a goal. It was the tying goal that ended up bringing it to overtime. But luckily, Nikki Robertson ends up scoring the uh, the game winner in overtime, and we didn't have to revolt here in Toronto with another loss. So a good way to end the the homestand, getting the victory, finishing the homestand. What three and one? Um, it's not too bad to to start the year. And now they head out on the road where they got the Winnipeg Jets Saturday night. Uh, why don't we take one more break when we get back? I'll tell you about the lineup changes that are being made and one suggestion that I also have that's coming up next here on the lockdown lease podcast. Welcome back into the lockdown lease podcast, your one-stop shop for all things leaves. It's Mike DiStefano, Dave Morissuti with you as always. Um, So Toronto now embarking on their first real road trip of the season. They're going to be in Winnipeg on, uh, on Saturday. Then they're in Phoenix slash Arizona on uh, Arizona State University, that is. on. Uh, wait, are they going to be in Arizona? No, I'm thinking of Vegas. Never mind. I was thinking about something else. I was looking up Phil Kessel's situation, by the way. They're going to be in Vegas on Mondays. That's what they'll be. I was thinking Kessel. Um, so they'll be in Vegas on Monday, and then they hit California for three games as well uh, with a back-to-back at the end of that. So we'll start with what's going on in against the Winnipeg Jets because we do have some lineup changes from practice today. Uh, so in goes Wayne Simmons. So Wayne Simmons will make his debut in this one against the Winnipeg Jets. Nicholas Abe Kubel comes out. There's always animosity between the Leafs and Jets. Always. You know, last season, you know, you can recall the uh, the, the Neil Peon kit on Rasmus Sandin, Jason Spezza. Ended up coming to, to you know his on his behalf and ended up getting into a fight, suspended for uh, I think it was what a six game suspension for for Jason Spetz off of that. I remember being completely flabbergasted by the number. Um, Matthews and Dubois always get feisty with each other whenever they play, so this is expected to be a bit of a chippy game. So insert one Wayne Simmons because wouldn't doubt if we if we see Fisticuffs be thrown for the first time for the Maple Leafs this week with Wayne Simmons back in the lineup.
1: And I don't I don't mind it because we're talking about taking a, a change to the fourth line. Nicholas Abe Kubel, I haven't hated his game. He's been – he leads the team in hits. He's got that wow, speed he, element. But, he's done
0: nothing for me, though. Like, I'll be honest with yeah, you. He's done like he's nothing, not, nothing for me. I, I was – last night I was texting with um, with Frank Corrado during the game and, mm-hmm. and I asked him, I was like, has Abe Kubel done anything for you? Like, I I really barely notice him. I know he's leading the team in hits, but have any of them been bone-crushing? Have any of them been noticeable? Has he made a noticeable play at all this season? Has he rushed? Does he have any good opportunities? Like, I just haven't really noticed him at all this season, except when they're in their own end and they're kind of getting caved in. So I haven't been happy with Abe Kubel's play, I would say. So I wasn't surprised to see this happen, so yeah. to speak.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's not. He hasn't, you know, that fourth line hasn't been what we saw in the preseason at all. Um, it's also early in the season. Like, I'm not worried about Nicolas Kubel at all, but I, I don't mind that Wayne Simmons is is drawing him here for the very same reasons you you mentioned. Because the Jets are a team that do like to play not only play physical, but they like to take some, ex, you know. They like the extracurricular stuff. Yes, yes, they it's do. Mannequins.
0: Yeah, they do. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but also like just the the entire bottom six got a bit of a uh, a new look. They shook, shaking up the bottom six. So Zach Aston Reese is moving up on line with Kerfoot and Yarnkrok, and uh, Pierre Engvall, our guy, on the fourth line with David Camp and uh, and Wayne Simmons. I saw a little discourse online though, like just making the argument that maybe Toronto should have considered taking Engvall out of the lineup over Abe Kubel, just based on the fact that it's going to be a chippy game. And we know that, you know, pair not really one to, uh, to uh, get into the mix and and get feisty, but Abe Kubel, you know, he could potentially be more suitable for a game like that. What do you make of that discourse? Would you maybe have rather seen Engvall come out of the lineup? Like where are you saying there?
1: I understand like why they want to keep Engvall in because of his speed and he has that offensive ability that gives them that upside. But in a game where there's going to be physical play, that does that's not pure Angvill. We know that he's he shies away from the physical contact, even though he's got the the build of a player that could easily you know throw in a hit once in a while. So I, I that I thought if you're going to bring in Wayne Simmons, and maybe yeah, you know. Angball would be the likely one, but the fact that Angball has been moved to the fourth line, it's not looking good for him, in my opinion, for him to be moved off the third line to the fourth line for Zach, and Reese, right? Like that's who's. Yeah. Taking the spot. So
0: the way that I look at it, like, I haven't been totally pleased with, with Pierre Engvall. I think a lot of things that he was doing last year, Uh, That were really good, like he was really solid on the forecheck. His stick was incredibly active and he was forcing turnovers. Um, Hasn't been doing a whole lot of that this year so far. Uh, And but what he is good at is like his zone exits and entries. And that's something that the fourth line has really struggled with. Right. With with Aston Reese, Abe Kubel and, and Camp. They have struggled to turn defense into offense because they can't really break the puck out. They don't have the guys who are kind of capable of doing that, at least are strong at that. But that's Pierre Engvall's bread and butter, realistically, is bringing the puck up, bringing it out and over the blue line. And then a little stop up and he waits for a play to develop, essentially. Um, So I, I almost wonder if this is a way just to try and keep a small little bit of offense available in the fourth line, if they can get it. Uh, just because Engvall is the type of guy who can bring that uh, t- to a lineup, to a-, a line itself. That's the only, I guess, real reason I have for putting Engvall in there over Abe Kubel. Also, he makes more money and I think is a better player overall, but he just hasn't played up to his standard. I think even he would tell you so far through this season.
1: Well, especially he's making two plus million dollars. Do you want to see a little bit more from the guy? Because yeah. Leafs don't exactly. they the Leafs don't have the ability to have a player like that be a passenger. You know, yeah, he's good at breaking out the plug. Maybe that's, as you said, that could be the biggest uh, impact he can have because Wayne Simmons and David Camp are not exactly going to be the guys that are going to skate the puck out of the zone and carry the rush. So I can see where that's coming from, but he better. He has to deliver because. Yeah,
0: I don't know if like. It- Maybe a night in the press box just to wake this guy up could be best for him because we know there's a, a decent top nine hockey player in there. We know it's in there. We saw it last year for a good stretch of time for me to confidently say, okay, I think this guy's an effective third line, you know, four checker, a guy who's got a lot of speed and can carry, you know, pucks in and out of the zone. But we haven't seen it yet this year. Maybe a little foray up up into press row might. Awaken the inner rhinoceros inside the giraffe. You like that? How's that? Is that that all right? Is that all right? Okay, it's not bad. Um, I've been teasing there's one thing that I think maybe uh, could potentially become a factor. The power play has stunk. There's no easier way to say it. It has stunk. There were one for eight last night and Uh, The one goal was on the second unit. And it was really only created because Rasmus Sandin was able to get a shot through. We have not seen that with Morgan Riley. I'm almost at the point where if this power play against the Jets continues to flounder and just can't find its momentum, I think there's got to be a bit of a personnel shakeup. And Rasmus Sandin, to me is a guy who can really handle the puck along the blue line. He can dance, and he can get shots through. Not something that Riley has really been great at doing. I wonder if maybe that's a switch to the power play that we could see Sandine taking the spot up on PP1.
1: What are your thoughts on that? And we've seen it before. That, that's the thing, yeah. right? We've seen him do it. Yeah, I I just think that that top power play, when, when no one respects... The point shot when no one respects the guy at the point, so everybody now goes. All the penalty killers can now, you know, collapse down below, pretty much below the face-off dot. When you see how the people, how other teams defend the least power play, the thing I also don't like about the least power play, you got three guys all on one side of the ice. We have Tavares kind of behind the net, or sometimes he's in the bumper slot, like. They everyone's kind of clustered into one area. It happened. Uh, yeah, I mean they're no... trying
0: because you know what they're you know, everyone. The thing is, if you and I know what's going on, you don't think that the opposition knows what's yeah. going on. Like they're trying to bring everybody this way, all the defenders this way, the PK guys to try and leave the 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 guy on the opposite side, whether it's Willie, like the trigger man. Yeah. Often it's it's Matthews, whether it's Willie or Matthews, who whomever it may be. All alone in an island, so that they can get the pass through and get a one timer off. We all know this is the play. This is the plan.
1: But they don't do. They don't get it to that other guy. That's the no, problem.
0: because they're getting stuffed They're getting suffocated, and they're not able to get those shots through because they, the opposition knows that's the plan. So they're yeah, taking man. away that shot. They're taking away that pass. Always Let's taking the pass.
1: Really not defending the point.
0: Dude, so- we. I've talked. I talked about this. I think last year. I feel like the pop pass is such an effective play and the Maple Leafs don't use it nearly enough. Like just from high down low pop out in front to Tavares, who's always waiting out in the kitchen in the inner slot. And then from there, boom, you can rip one through. They rarely ever try that. They always want to get a beautiful one timer from the dot. That's all they want to shoot from a one timer from the dot. I'm pretty sure. Where are those goals scored from last night? Um was it scored was below on the that, hash was, mark?
1: Kerfo was the right face off dot pretty much. Uh,
0: yeah, I'm trying to think if was Robertson's below the hash mark or was it at the top of the circle?
1: I, th- I, I think I from the dot. I think it was from the dot cuz he was kind of wide. Yeah.
0: But... So, Maple Leafs so far this season. The reason why I had to clarify what happened yesterday mm. was because I saw this this chart prior to the game. The Maple Leafs this season have one goal from outside of the hash marks this season, just one because they keep trying to score that way. And it's just not, not happening right now. They yeah. got to find new ways to attack the net. They're trying to do everything from the peripheral, but by doing that, they're allowing defenses to collapse and there's not shooting lanes or sh- block shots. They're missing the net. They got to find a way to get inside and score a little bit more. And then the outside stuff might be able to, uh, to, to to flourish a little bit better
1: you, you got to force the opposing team to, re- to respect the shot a little mm-hmm. bit more but they're and in the way that they they know that if you if this puck is going out to the point man all right we got to defend this guy because he can get it through and he can get it on net and potentially score right that's that's where a lot of other teams have that point shot but not just a point shot you know they're 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 moving the pack, puck so fast and like with conviction. On like I, I point Colorado, like that's that's the team right there that has everything going for it on the power play, and that's because these guys it's like a machine. When you want I'm not to even talking about
0: power play, you could talk about even a- at a- five on five. I'm saying they haven't scored a single goal yeah. or scored one goal so far yeah. this year from outside the hash marks.
1: Well, it's also because I I find the Leafs just stand to like they they stand still in the very offensive zone, very flat, and it doesn't allow and and they're trying so hard to also get that perfect shot that perfect angle, yeah. Get the damn thing on net, man! Like, it's, dude, damn, thank they get you it through
0: bodies. Thank you. Like the amount of times, especially on the power play, where it seems like you know sometimes it's okay to take that extra step or take that extra second to try and find a better shooting lane. But it seems like that's every single time somebody gets the puck on the power play. They're just and they they can't wait them out and then they end up taking a shot and it goes right into traffic or it goes right into the boot of the defender who's who's on them. They just I don't know what it is. They seem to be taking way too long. They're pausing before every shot and they're
1: not getting it on goal. Perfect example of that. They got that power play late in the third. Nylander with the puck on his stick with like a couple of seconds left, yeah. and people are saying shoot because there's only a couple of seconds left, and he passes it and the period. Yeah. Is
0: Dude, there was not a couple seconds. There was a couple milliseconds. There's like point yeah. eight seconds left. Uh, like 0.8 seconds left, he gets the puck and instead of ripping it on goal, he's looking for the pass. And then as the pass didn't even get completed before the horn went off, that's also just situational. I don't know why the heck. If someone's not like they got to be telling him, like, two, three, shoot, shoot, shoot.
1: Like, or like, uh, just uh, as usually these guys are talking gotta, before the face. You know I,
0: I also kind of blame Leafs Nation on that one. Like, if you know there's three seconds left on the power play, or even like five seconds left on uh, not on the power play, but in the game, and you've got offensive possession, I mean, you got to be chanting five, four, Three, like give them the countdown so that they know exactly how much time is left in the game.
1: Yeah, we've seen it sometimes. I don't know. The fans are not exactly also on in sync with the game clock, dude. That could be that could be an issue. But no, I just think well, there they definitely, the definitely
0: do. Hold on, hold on. If everyone's yelling "shoot" because the time's going off, everyone who yelled "shoot" could count down. They know what's going on.
1: I just think his shoot is a lot more effective. You can just yeah
0: but it. they say that literally like it could be Nicholas abe Kubel with the puck just crossing over the blue line and they'll also yell shoot and literally Morgan Riley was asked about that post game a couple days ago where he literally said uh, does it affect you when you hear the fans yelling shoot and he's like no <laughs> it's like if you start thinking about that like just no so that's it's ineffective to yell shoot but if you give them the time clock, Maybe the, you know, he would have shot the puck knowing oh, I got not enough time.
1: I, I just think there should have been a conversation. Like, this is where you have that conversation say, whoever gets the puck, shoot on net. Yeah. That literally has to be the conversation. And then yeah. it just didn't happen. Failed just bad planning. Uh,
0: but they won, Dave. But they won the yeah. game. And that's all that matters. They won. And uh, tomorrow night's game against the Jets is another chance to get another W and maybe it'll be an opportunity for them to get the power play going one for eight last night. That's a stinker. And that was also the second unit that scored tomorrow. Hopefully they're a, uh, they're a little better. Uh, that'll do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the locked on these podcasts on all podcast platforms to receive daily Leaves content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Dave at D underscore Morissuti. Follow the show as well at Lockdown Leafs. Go ahead, leave a like and a comment down below if you're on YouTube. We'll be back with another episode on Monday. Enjoy the game tomorrow night, folks. Have a great weekend, but until then, keep it locked right here on Lockdown Leafs.